0: Welcome back to another episode of the Bad Signal Podcast. Listen, times are weird in the sports world. It's NBA season. Holy shit, how did that happen? Did we not just watch the Lakers dominate the Miami Heat? The Lakers only got stronger in the offseason. And meanwhile, there's the Boston Celtics, who lost Gordon Hayward a couple of weeks ago. Say la vie. Michael Jordan is spending way too much money. He almost pretends like he's got his own Monopoly money, Jordan money, on on that Charlotte Hornets team, $30 million a year for Gordon Hayward. We had the duo in Houston, that epic meltdown. I mean, this is the same James Harden, who, by the way, if you saw him last night, he's looking like the second coming of Kendrick Perkins. I even, I even josted at Perk about it. He got so fat. It is unbelievable and perfect timing for James Harden to demand a trade. You know, you got to strike while the iron's hot in his case. Iron's hot and cooking a bunch of bacon. <laughs> Meanwhile, up in Washington, D.C., they traded Russell Westbrook for John Wall in a first-round pick. I mean, there's so much going on in the NBA that I just needed to bring in an expert. And, you know, we're going to do things a little differently this week. We're going to make this, like, shorter, more digestible. On Friday, we got Jonathan Zaslow from 790, the ticket down in Miami. We're just going to go back and forth. It's going to be strictly football on Friday. And then we also have the legend, Nick Costas, from You Better You Bet, CBS Sports. I'm taking all the CBS Sports talent. Uh, We're going to go through all of his picks. I mean, if you haven't listened to his podcast yet, you think that I'm bad at parlays? These dudes are fire. Every prop bet, I mean, he'll tweet along with you, too about every game, every line, everything. He's an expert. I used to work with him at Sirius. So um, that being said, I just want to say a couple words before we kick off. Um, Some kind of happy and unfortunate news today about Major League Lacrosse, uh, more or less the league after 20 years folding to the Premier League. And for those of you who don't know, Major League Lacrosse was the only lacrosse league, professional lacrosse league in the United States. Obviously, there's... Um, a, a lot more popular up in Canada. They play a box game. It's indoor, and you know they got a, They have the NLL. They have a bunch of you know smaller side leagues. But I mean, Major League Lacrosse is is what started it all. And a couple of years ago, one of the more popular players in the league. I don't know if you remember the Power Brothers back in the day. They played for Syracuse. Well, the Rabel brothers, Mike Rabel, Paul Rabel. Paul Rabel is a legend. He decided that he was tired of playing in major league lacrosse. He was, you know, an up and coming entrepreneur and, you know, side note has very close ties with bill Belichick. He decided to break off onto his own, create a new league, change the rules and, um, asked a bunch of his, you know, private school buddies and, you know, all these lacrosse alums that are now venture capitalists to dump a bunch of money. And when I mean a a bunch of money, I mean like hundreds of millions of dollars into this league. So, here comes this new up-and-coming league. Major League Lacrosse is old and it's stale, and um, they're just kicking ass, you know, and slowly, slowly getting bigger and better, and they're dumping money. Huge partners, brand partnerships with NBC, big flashy videos. I mean, it, it, got, it got two years before the league folded, and um, it's a really sad day for the six teams, uh, a lot of founding teams in Major League Lacrosse. I was a asylum reporter this summer for the major league lacrosse 10 day league. Practically they shoved it all into a week and a half and um, the Boston cannons won. So Boston is going to be the only team to add to their expansion list. So the premier league and the rest of them are all dissolved and it's a great day for the sport of lacrosse. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot more excited. It's going to get a lot more exposure but it's also a sad day for a lot of these players that are texting and telling me that they're just not going to be playing lacrosse anymore. So, um, I I mean, I just, the transition going forward, it's going to be a very interesting one, but my passion for the game and my passion for that sport and that league particularly, um, it was kind of bittersweet, but I'm actually more fascinated to see where this goes in the coming weeks when they announce a new draft and expansion teams, all that stuff. So anyways, That was just a side note that I wanted to tell because it was huge news in my world, in my lacrosse world. (laughs) It still is a sport. All right. And without further ado, let's get into it. Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know how hard I worked to get you on this show? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we
1: had some delays in recent weeks. Are you like, I'm happy holy to be here, yeah. First
0: of all, like we go back to Fox 25, yeah. and you used to come in the weekends. I swear to God, there are every single male between 40 and 50 is like obsessed with you. My brother is obsessed with <laughs> 40 you. 40 and 50—that's uh, that's my demographic.
1: That's my target demographic. In,
0: no, I mean like in the sporting conversation. That's you know what funny. I'm talking about, Kevin <laughs> O'Connor.
1: That, thank you for having me, Courtney.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure, pleasure having you. How have you been dealing with this uh, COVID shorted season, COVID new season? It seems like, I, you know, a lot of people are pretty happy with where the NBA has taken it. But how have you, how have you taken it? How have you been dealing with um,
1: it? Pretty good. I, I feel like like on a personal, professional level, this has my, been my best year. Uh, I'm happy with my production. I can get better in a lot of ways. But I feel like working from home, I've been able to, you know, improve as a podcaster, write the type of stories I want to write. I've reported some stuff this year and it's been great, you know, on a personal level, spending like a whole bunch of time back in Brockton, Mass with my mom. You know, I look forward to being back in LA, but you know, we've, we've done a good job. My mom and I are a good team. So we, have handled it all pretty well.
0: How is the faux situation? It's like faux by sing. What's, what's your, what's your
1: My favorite restaurant in L.A., Spoon by H. Spoon yeah. by H. Spoon by H, yeah. Uh, I miss Spoon very, very, very much. It became like home away from home for me this past year. But, uh, yeah, it's Korean food. And um, uh, Yoon Jin Wang is their chef there. And she's, uh, I mean, Dave Chang called her the Giannis of the, the cooking world, and it's 100% true. She's, she's a genius. If anybody lives in L.A. or near L.A., highly recommend ordering out doing some uh, curbside pickup from spoon by age. It's awesome. And then when it opens back up, you know, in post pandemic world, you got to go to spoon by age. It's the best. I love you it so much.
0: Hit, hit that up. Uh, let's get back to the COVID talk with the NBA. <laughs> Has there been any talk about expanded rosters kind of similar to what the NFL is doing with a COVID reserve list, possibly dipping into the D league to bring, you know, expanded rosters up. And if, if there are, Congratulations to Danny Ainge for making all three of those draft picks, which no one thought he could (laughs) do. So maybe he can use all those guys.
1: I mean, they expanded the active roster list to 15. So Mm -hmm. that does give teams a little bit more flexibility on a game day. Like if there's a surprise positive test or something like that. Um, But ultimately, like uh, with the NBA this year, there's going to be challenges. Just like we just saw with, you know, MLB. We saw it with the NFL there's going to be bumps along the way. And like, what I worry about is the fact that, so like in the NFL, like if a player, if a safety on a team tests positive, typically that player, because the team is so large, is involved in meetings with, you know, the secondary with other cornerbacks yeah, yeah, and other yeah. safeties, but the NBA, the it's yep. smaller groups. And like, if like the whole team tends to meet together, 12, you know, 15 guys, it's a smaller group. So like the, the threat of, you know, uh, outbreak, could be with the whole team, not just with like a positional group, like with the NFL. So in that aspect, like I, I do worry if like we're going to get a lot of cancellations and postponements with the NBA. But like the roster size, the active roster limit, and the fact they're releasing the schedule in waves, like the first half schedule and then the second half schedule to do rescheduling, it seems the NBA has baked in some planning for you know unexpected positive test so um it's gonna be hard but I I I have confidence the NBA they've they've done great every step of the way so far
0: yeah your bread and butter obviously in the NBA deep in the knowledge of the league were you surprised by the signing of Giannis Antetokounmpo a super super max deal and really was this the right move for him because I don't really see that Milwaukee is going to have a lot of flexibility to put the pieces around him or or does or or can they
1: uh, with the honest, like I, I think for him, it's a type of thing where the Drew Holiday acquisition—they gave up a lot of first-round draft picks, a lot of draft assets to get him, but ultimately drew is one of if not the best defensive guard in the entire league and he adds the secondary shot creation skill that milwaukee lacked in recent years it's what they desperately need in order to improve as a playoff team when things slow down and you're in your half court offense so i think the holiday acquisition is awesome for them despite everything they gave up and they still have a really good team i mean like they had the number one defense in basketball last year they still have an awesome overall team But I do, you know, I, I, to your point about like, can they get better? Well, they gave up a lot to get Drew. And ultimately that's, that's a big gamble on him being enough. Cause beyond that, there's not a lot of cap flexibility for free agents. There's not a lot of trade flexibility because your lack of assets or young players. So for them though, like Giannis made a commitment to them. And with the new five-year max contract, 228 million, that gives Milwaukee time, time to find the right roster around Giannis, but still, I mean, five years go by quickly. They there still needs to be urgency.
0: Didn't Chris Middleton sign a max deal too?
1: Yeah, he did. So they have they have a pricey roster with Drew, with Giannis, and Chris Middleton. So they don't have a lot of flexibility, but ultimately like those are three really good players. Like Giannis is a top five guy. Chris Middleton's a top 20 guy. Drew Holiday's a top 30, 35 player. That's a championship quality top roster with those three dudes. Because of Giannis, the type of player that he is, it's just a matter of like the other guys on that yeah. team, and like how much like you look how deep the Lakers are. You look at you know how strong some of the other teams in the East are: the Heat, the Celtics, the yeah. Raptors. There's still other threats out there. Yeah. Um, their depth needs to be good, and I still think they could make a couple tweaks on the uh, outer edges of their roster to, to improve their chances.
0: I mean, really the biggest question i think in the east is that the power is shifting if you're going to build a super team you're going to have to go compete against the best in the world and that's the los angeles lakers i mean they're just mm-hmm. a mega force um out there in la but it seems as though the, the balance of powers has kind of shifted to to the east especially i mean i wouldn't say it's so much of a uh, you know a trade piece but having Doc Rivers in Philly you know, the whispers of having possibly James Harden going over there, like (laughs) big names are going to go to the East and to, you know, to Philadelphia and, you know, how does this, how does that Giannis deal, you know, kind of uh, shift the balance of powers or how are you kind of seeing the outlook on, um, in the eastern
1: conference uh, and like with Giannis, uh, to me it's just the power for more like the next five years i mean like it makes milwaukee a clear and definitive contender for as long as he's there mm-hmm. uh, in terms of this coming season it's philly we need to see them like we're recording this on tuesday evening they have to play a preseason game right now so i look forward to seeing like how does Doc river system look What does it look like with some of the changes that they've had? How does Tyrese Maxey look as a rookie? How does Seth Curry look in a new role, possibly an expanded role? How how do all these guys look in a brand new situation here where the fit is clearly better than it was with last year's Sixers where it was clunky, like you had too many bigs with Al Horford there? Like, it just didn't work. It wasn't going to work, and it didn't. But with this year's team, it's different. And to me, whether it's – you know Boston's still really good despite losing – Hayward, Tatum can get better. Brown can only get better. Kemba, you hope, can stay healthy. Look at other teams. Miami should only get better. Mm -hmm. Um, And Ian is still really good. Like, the East is strong. It's really strong. And Milwaukee is still the favorite. But to me, the, the other team is Philly, where I look at them and it's like, they have an opportunity, even with the roster they have, without James Harden of elevating into that class if the fit's right and we're going to find that out over the coming weeks as the season opens up
0: if the fit is right that's the biggest question at least for the Brooklyn Nets um,
1: yes Kyrie Irving
0: yeah. what can be said about Kyrie Irving that he's not said about the biggest jerk in the world I mean I'm keeping it light,
1: <laughs> keeping it uh, light.
0: um just the way that he is uh, his attitude and and coming out and dissing media day and saying that he doesn't deal with pawns, taking a direct shot at every reporter. What an asshole, like what what an (laughs) asshole move. And I mean, I just, the more that I hear sound bites of him, the more makes me want to punch a wall. There is no one that is deservedly more hated in the NBA, but damn, like watching him and KD on the floor, um, they're a force to be reckoned with.
1: I mean with Kyrie, like I, I, I don't think he should have said what he said. And I think it was wrong to call people pawns as demeaning to other people when, you know, he mentioned about, you know, wanting to help out the disenfranchised and the people who are overlooked. It's like, he, we're all, we all have a role and we're all equal. And we're all, we're all important in our own different ways. And with Kyrie, it's, you know, I didn't like seeing that comment, but like for him, I, I'm sure in his own, Viewpoint, he feels like he's been mistreated by the media, like the way people pull things out of context. And he feels, you know, he's been, you know, disrespected in that way. But ultimately, I'm glad that he decided to talk to the media because with Kyrie, he has just a brilliant game. It's a colorful game and it's a fun game to watch. And there's so many kids around the world that love him and they want to hear from him and they want to know what he thinks and what he says and what he does. And so I'm glad that he decided to make that decision, even though he doesn't want to, because this is a Nets team that everybody's going to be watching. All eyes are going to be on them. And with KD and that oh, those opening preseason games, he looked like Kevin Durant, didn't he? I mean, like, I wouldn't have known that he's coming off a ruptured Achilles, such a major devastating injury. And with Kyrie, we'll see how it develops over the course of the season with him. Um, but he's a magnificent player. And, you know... I look forward to watching him, whether he hates me as media or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Next up, he's going to have you on a bulletin board with darts in the middle.
1: Don't hey, um, whatever motivates him.
0: <laughs> the biggest thing that I look at with the Brooklyn Nets is Danny Ainge. Um, his his greatest feat, at least in the eyes of many Celtics fans here, and you know, amongst talk radio, was. Oh, how he fleeced the new, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, and how he got, you know, he traded away Pearson Garnett, and he got two first, you know, first overall picks, and they got Jalen Brown and Tatum. And then, what happens when the Nets win a championship before the Celtics? How much <laughs> egg is going to be on Danny Ainge's face?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, it happens. I still, like, I don't know if there'd be much egg. I mean, maybe a little bit, but you, if you're Danny, it's like, ah, I still made a great trade. Sorry, throw the eggs at me. It's fine. Uh, Like that deal that he made was still brilliant and forward thinking at a time where people were criticizing it. And it's panned out to put the Celtics in a situation where they are now, where even though they don't have Kyrie anymore, even though they don't have Kevin Durant after losing out on him when he went to Golden State, they still have a great team. And Brooklyn needs to figure out their defense. How good are they going to be on the defensive end of the floor? Whereas Boston, defense isn't as much the issue. It's about, in the, in the playoffs, we saw how that offense can sputter at times. Kemba wasn't fully himself. Tatum hasn't fully tapped into his potential. We've seen the flashes. Can Tatum become that 30-point-per-game score consistently? Like, Don't you think like that's sort of what needs to happen for the Celtics to be a serious finals threat and not just one of the teams that has a, sh- a shot?
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely, and I'm just thinking about you know those four guys and Kemba Walker, and I mean I'm going to include Marcus Smart in this conversation yeah. because Marcus you know, is awesome. A uh, hat tip to the late great Tommy Heinsohn, who got up on his, um, his uh, mm, Hall Fame, uh, basketball Hall of Fame speech and started to criticize all the young kids in the league <laughs> that don't play defense. Marcus plays Marcus plays a mean D, and um, and but uh, there were just a lot of personalities and clashes late in that that postseason mm. run that all of a sudden they're screaming at each other and throwing things and fighting and then all of a, you know and you're expecting them to come back and go and win a game seven do, do you have chemistry is there, is there a serious chemistry issue and if you had to get rid of one guy in that locker room just based on personality and based on mm. I'm, just, I'm saying in personality in the way that they mesh with the team you could get rid of one of those guys in the locker room who would you try to win?
1: I mean, <laughs> nobody right now. I, I think with Hayward leaving, um, to me, like I like their roster balance. Uh, I'm not so sure that even if Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown don't vibe, I wouldn't yeah. want to break up. I think a little friction can be a good thing. It can drive you and it can push you. And with those guys, I think the way they responded last year showed a, a strong sense of maturity and, and a team and an investment in the greater good. And even though it didn't pan out in the end it didn't, you know, advance in the playoffs to the finals, this team is still awesome. Like Marcus Smart, you mentioned like how Tommy Heinsohn, and, you know, may he rest in peace. I love that dude. He's yeah. one of the reasons why I love basketball the way I do. He's right about Marcus Smart. Like Marcus Smart is an amazing defender and maybe sometimes he'll be a little prickly and rub guys the wrong way, but that's because it comes from a good place. He wants to win and he'll do anything it takes, whatever it takes to get possible. And sometimes like he'll, you know, lash out at people but i think you know jalen brown and the other guys in the locker room can understand it's coming from a pure and a positive place even though sometimes like i'm sure marcus himself would be like eh, i could have said something a little bit differently but this is a team that they need that they need that heart and they need that drive and something to push them and that's what marcus smart provides and i like the mix for boston it's really just a matter of what to me what level does Brown reach? What level does Tatum reach? And can Kemba stay healthy? Kemba staying healthy is probably the biggest one of all.
0: Yeah, that's my next question. You stole it right out of my mouth. My guy, Tim Reynolds from the Associated Press, you know, a good friend of mine on the beat in Miami, he was telling me during that series that Kemba Walker's knee was nothing of, you know, of, of healthy, not even, not even close to being healthy the whole time that he was there. So how worried should and nervous should we be about this situation?
1: Um, a little bit worried because the fact is, is that this first started happening years ago. I mean, he's had multiple knee surgeries. He's had multiple knee issues over the year where it's had to be managed. This isn't something that just popped up, you know, a week ago. Mm-hmm. It's something that he's been dealing with for years. And this year in 2020, it became more of a problem for him. It caused him to have to take time off. And after the hiatus in March, he didn't get fully healthy for the restart in july and uh, now it's december and yeah. he's still not fully healthy so maybe when i say a little bit worried i mean very worried um but like you know these things guys deal with injuries and have to manage it for but for kemba fact is is like even though he's not somebody who like everybody talks about athleticism as like poster dunks, like zion you know these guys throw down donks and block shots but athleticism is also speed and burst and change of pace and direction and athleticism for layups for a little guy like Kemba to score near the rim. And if he's at all limited, it puts a ceiling on what he can be as a player. And the guy we saw in the playoffs was not a guy who you would rely on to win a championship. Healthy Kemba. Great. But are we going to get healthy Kemba? I'm not so sure that a Celtics fans should be expecting that. Um, But if you get it, it's big, big for you.
0: Do you think that Celtics fans in general, and you know, just going back and uh, thinking about Jason Tatum and not being able to hit his potential? I mean, let's hope that he is. This is the year that he hits his potential. He even joked on Twitter yesterday or two days ago. Yeah.
1: Still nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. No, yeah. have, do you,
0: Do you think what's one part of it or two parts of his game that really he, if he improved on, he could take that next step to turn the corner to be a megastar in the league and for the Celtics, they need a leader in that locker room. And, you know, what does Jason Tatum have to do to improve his game?
1: Um, to me, I think he showed the flashes in January and February before the hiatus. And we saw it at times during the bubble. And the, the key difference for him during, you know, the good moments was the ability to get to the basket, finish, and draw fouls. And there were moments in which that would slip and we'd see him literally slip, you know, you know, the ball would slip out of his hands. Yeah. He doesn't have the biggest hands. It's just the truth. Like <laughs> I think it's part of who he is and he needs to learn how to adapt there. So for Tatum, is if he can become a guy, that's the, because your shot's not always going to fall. There's yeah. going to be nights you don't feel your shot. You're not able to hit your step back three. Your, your spot up threes aren't falling. Your pull up threes aren't falling. Those are the nights in which Tatum needs to be a guy who can consistently get into the paint and finish against contact when it's crowded amongst the trees and he needs to be able to draw fouls. When he can do that, that to me is when you're talking about Tatum as somebody who can be a 30-point-per-game scorer. Yeah. Without that, he's still an awesome player, still one of the better defensive wings in the league, still a very, very good offensive player. But for him to be great, it's going to come down to the ad rim finishing.
0: I, I guess I'm kind of moving backwards before going forwards because I forgot to ask you questions about the, the Celtics draft and um, Aaron Naismith um, picking him up. And I mean, was this the shooter that, that uh, the Celtics really needed? I mean, I'm almost looking at, um, and I'm going to mispronounce his name, Precious,
1: Precious Ach- Achua.
0: Precious, Precious Achua. Precious Achua. I mean, and then I looked and you know, and Miami picked him up a couple, couple spots later. And I was like, well, Okay, Celtics got a pure shooter, but like they got their big man. You know, I, were, there some, were there some some moves in the draft that made you scratch your head, or or was this was this a good one?
1: Neesmith Smith was a fine pick. I wasn't, you know, doing jumping jacks, you know, over it, uh, you know. But with him, he's a good quality overall player. I'm not that's sure the upside is. Yeah, I'm not sure the upside is there necessarily, but he seems like it's realistic. He'll be a solid role player. And he can stroke the hell out of threes. So for the Celtics, that's an area of need. And he should be able to contribute. But ultimately, I think overall, I mean, with the Celtics, with the Gordon Hayward situation, they could have signed and traded him to Indiana to get Miles Turner. Yeah, I've thought a lot about this. I think they made the right choice with creating the cap space to get Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague rather than Miles Turner, considering what they did on draft night. And with everything they did in free agency, I like how the Celtics came out, you know, that the Hayward loss.
0: Speaking of big, other big trades a lot among the league, Russell Westbrook for John Wall in a first round pick. Who won
1: that deal? That that, that deal still blows my mind. It doesn't feel real, does it? To see, we haven't seen Russell Westbrook play yet, but it's so weird seeing John Wall in the Rockets red jerseys. And (laughs) it's weird seeing Westbrook at the Wizards practice video and all that. But um, who won that deal? We don't know yet, but it depends so much on what does John Wall. It's again health. John Wall is coming off an Achilles injury. Can he stay healthy? Russell Westbrook, to me, is the higher upside player. Mm. And for the Wizards, in that sense, I'd say they're the winners right now because Westbrook is better. He wasn't hasn't been out for two years with a ruptured Achilles, and he is somebody who is a good theoretical fit next to Bradley Beal. And that team needs to win now in order to keep Beal, who's one of the best, brightest young players in the league yeah. today, still only 26, 27 years old. And by the way, now the Giannis is locked up for five years. That next guy is Bradley Beale. That's who everybody's gonna want.
0: Yeah. I, I I think that he's gonna benefit the most. It's not it's not whether John Wall plays well. It's you know, it's all eyes on on the secondary players and Bradley mm-hmm. Beal I gotta agree with you on that. Um speaking of other young players, I mean this is kind of in my who had a rough offseason list of questions. The Charlotte Hornets. I mean, you didn't yeah, like what they did, Michael Jordan. I know you're made of money, but what the fuck are you doing?
1: You you, you didn't like what the Hornets did. I didn't well, like okay. it. No, I like Lame- Hayward. No, Lame- 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 L-
0: I I got a thing for Lamelo Ball. I, I watched one of his his, his his um his step back jays. Like he's smooth. Is he as good as everyone thinks he's? I mean, well, I mean, I I feel like the expectations on Lamelo L- coming into the league or any Ball member of the family is going to be pretty low. Right I
1: think with LaMelo, um, there's no doubt about his passing. Yeah. I mean, there's okay, zero. The <laughs> there's, it's like it's like there's zero doubt there. Like he is a magnificent passer already, even without playing an NBA yeah. game, one of the best passers in the world. Um, the question is going to be, what level does his jump shot reach? Like you mentioned that looks good. I'm impressed by some of the mechanical changes yeah, that he's it made what got me. Yeah, it, it looks a lot better and a lot smoother now. and, and for him, what level does that reach? Can he become like a high 30s percent three point shooter or does he, is he a middle, low 30 percent three point shooter on catch and shoots and off the dribble? What level does that reach will determine whether he's a guy who is a top 10, top 15 player or just somebody who's like in the, you know, 20 to 40 range of best player in the league, which is still really good. Like I think La, uh, LaMelo in all likelihood will end up like the 30th best player in the NBA, but if his jumper is good or great, we're talking about somebody who could be one of the best players in the league. That's the difference. And that's how, that's the importance of a jump shot in today's league. It really is that yeah. much of a difference. Cause like, if you can hit a jumper that opens up driving lanes for you, if yeah. you can drive to the basket that opens up finishing yeah. or passing lanes. So it opens up a whole new world of possibilities for him. If that jumper is for real.
0: It's exactly what Jason Tatum was doing late in the you know in the postseason, just coming yeah, back and taking eighteen foot jumpers like Hero Ball, bro. Like you're not there yet.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean T- Tatum had his moments. You try, you try. He had his moments, and the jumper still can open up the driving lanes for yeah. you. It's, it's sort of like in NFL, people talk about like using the run to open up the pass, but nowadays right, it's like he's right, in yeah. the past to open the run. And yeah. the NBA, yeah. it's like using the jumper to open up the drive.
0: Yeah, I uh, I mean paying Gordon Hayward thirty million a year. Sticking with that theme of Charlotte, I, what were your thoughts? It's risky. It's
1: it. it's risky. It's risky. If you're getting if you're getting the Hayward you got the last three years, I don't like it. If you're getting the Hayward that you got in Utah, I like it. So that, that that's the big question there. What yeah. version of Hayward are you getting? Yeah, it's a big risk, and I'm not so sure that I would have been would have taken it if I were the Hornets. But I I I got to be honest, like I understand I understand their logic in the sense that they're they have some good young players and they're, they're trying to field a competitive team that when hayward's deal is done in four years mm-hmm. by that point you want to look like a team that's ready to take a star yeah and having hayward there can maybe give you some semblance of looking like a competitive team that's only missing that true stu- superstar yeah. so in, in that sense i get it but it does put them towards the middle
0: yeah.
1: and the middle is not always where you want to be
0: the f- the poor new york knicks Um so much cap space, no one to sign. Whose fault is this? I mean, I it, James Dolan will never sell that team, ever. He looks at that Forbes list every single year. <laughs> the Knicks are the third most valuable franchise in the United States because of that arena that he also owns. Um, I mean, when are the the poor Knicks? I know that's the heart of New York City. I feel like it, it kills them every single year. Is, are they ever gonna get better?
1: I think so. And I think this offseason they did make positive steps forward because they didn't do anything dumb. Yeah, it's really like that's how low the bar was. It's like out of frame. The bar was that low because with this team, they've just made so many dumb mistakes. But the new front office led by Leon Rose they didn't do anything stupid. They made, you know, some short-term signings to fill the roster. They didn't sign any long-term contracts. They drafted Obi Toppin, who's an impressive young prospect. I like what they did in the draft. I like what they did in free agency. I like what they did hiring Tom Thibodeau at head coach. They seem to be a team that's going to be focused on development. So which free agent are they going to sign with all that cap space? I mean, the free agent market in 2021 is slowly drying up, dried up quite a lot today with Giannis signing. But ultimately, though, there's still other guys that could become available in in trades. There's still like James Harden is still out there. And you're the Knicks. You have a lot of assets. And I'm just saying, like, to me, there's if you can if you can feel the team, if you're the Knicks this year and you can feel the team that looks competitive, they might not win many games. They won't win many games. But if it can be competitive and like encouraging, you know, effort, young players look good. Yeah. Then you fall into the category that the Clippers just did when they got Kawhi and Paul George, or the Lakers just did when they got LeBron. Yeah. It, the path is there as a big market team. Okay. So I I still like I feel like I'm the only one in sports media that is ever like the Knicks are in the worst position, everybody. And yes, I understand James Dolan is their owner. But like I I trust, I I trust Leon Rose from what I understand of how he operates and the way he thinks the game. I don't know him. Yeah. But from what I understand, I think they finally might have the right combo at front office okay. and with the coaching staff. Doesn't okay. guarantee anything, yeah. But I think they have the right people there.
0: Good, good to hear. Final three questions from me. What are your what are your predictions for the two most intriguing teams in the NBA?
1: Um, Rockets number one, uh, and not just because of the James Harden drama. You can put aside the James Harden drama. And you can look at Demarcus Cousins coming back from a ruptured Achilles and a torn ACL. You can look at John Wall coming back from the ruptured Achilles. You can look at Christian Wood in a brand new situation with Houston. And yes, you can factor in obviously the James Harden, you know, madness that's going to linger for the whole season. Like we now, now all the attention that could have went on Giannis is now going to be turned solely on James Harden. What what happens there? So. Well, did Houston, Morris,
0: did he leave a mess in that front office too? I mean, that's, that's, that needs to be stated as well.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it does seem like he kind of uh, jumped ship <laughs> he... at the, the perfect moment, didn't he? Right. <laughs> <laughs> he... In
0: the water in Houston. I have no idea why he, he um...
1: really did. Who Who else was intriguing this year? Like who, who stands out to you for like intriguing teams? Cause you know, cause I feel like a lot of teams didn't change a lot.
0: No, I mean, the most intriguing team to me is the Miami heat. I, I just, I'm blown away by what Pat Riley has done. They call him the architect to go back. And I mean, just pick every, every draft pick that he's picked is as, is a winner, including Tyler hero, who is going to be the next NBA superstar down there. Um, He seems unfazed by anything, you know, with the big lights and a bright stage. And um, you know, I think Jimmy Butler is a perfect fit for them. So you know, just in terms of build, rebuilding a culture down in Miami, I I find them to be fascinating. And yeah, you know, I'm I'm all eyes are on Brooklyn. I when you have someone as explosive as as Kyrie Irving and speaking to the media um, the way that he does, it's going to be you know headlines, headlines every day. It's going to be drama, and I'm just really interested to see um, how far they go in the postseason. Because again, yeah, that storyline of the Celtics, you know. Versus the Nets, it, it would be it would be quite embarrassing if they won a championship. Before,
1: before that. Sure. I, I mean, like for Boston, they still have a runway. They still have a runway with Tatum yeah. and Brown as young as they are. But ultimately for Miami, I think they're intriguing, too, because can they replicate what they did in the bubble? Yeah. With, you know, travel with everything that's going to come with the whole normal, it's not a normal season, but yeah. it's closer to to what we're used to when it comes to watching basketball. I feel like there's people in the league who think they were fluky. Yeah. And I don't necessarily believe that to be the case because this is a team that can still get better too. You know, they, they can still improve. Bam is still young. Hero is still young. Yeah. They have those young pieces that we were talking about with Milwaukee. Milwaukee yeah. doesn't have those young pieces. Miami has quite a few of them. Yeah. And so they should only get better. Like Boston should only get better. Miami should only get better. Yeah. Toronto should only get better. Yeah. Milwaukee's the team like of those upper echelon teams in the East, where it's like, how much better will they get? Philly too. I mean I forgot to mention them. And Bede and Simmons are yeah. still young. They have a ton of young guys on that roster. Yeah. All of those teams have young players except for the Bucks. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, so final question: If everyone stays healthy, who's your pick for um, NBA Finals 2021?
1: The Lakers. It's not even not even close. That's, that's <laughs> know, easy. They're the best, and deepest team in the league. I picked them last year, and I feel even more strongly about their odds of winning it at all this year. They're they're unbelievable. What they just did, adding the guys who finished first and second and sixth man of the year voting, Montrose Harrell and Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Sewell. Yeah, And Wesley Matthews is an upgrade over the version of Danny Green you had last year. Like it's the Lakers. They are the favorites in the NBA.
0: You know, what's so funny to me is that I was kind of going through old videos and clips and stuff from two years ago. And um, you know, I, it was, it was when LeBron signed and I was like, you know what, who has more power over a front office? Is it Tom Brady or is it, is it Kevin? Is it uh, LeBron James? And at the time, I said, you know, think about it, 2018, the power that he had over the over the Patriots front office, you know, uh, I said that it was him, but clearly, you know, Tom's going to have his way late in his, late in his career. And LeBron, uh, the way that he can just say, you know, the players that step into a front office and say, I want this, this, and this, and the way that they get it. it I I feel like that's, the league is only going to be more and more of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, we see it with Harden as well. He was given a lot of power there and he's one of the, he's the reason why they trade Chris Paul and all those draft picks to get Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And that sometimes giving power to players doesn't always work out. Yeah. Ultimately, I think with LeBron, it's tended to be more good than bad yeah. um, for the teams that he plays on overall. Cause he's won. He's made, made the finals almost every single year in the last, except for one it's, it's insane. Yeah. In the last 10 plus years. So for, for the Lakers, this does feel to me like a collaborative process, though I still think Palenka, the job that he's done drafting, like Taylor Horton Tucker, what he's done in preseason and what he did when given chances in the second round of the playoffs against Houston, like they're deep. I mean, like the Lakers have young guys too can get better. So, like, there's, so there's a handful of teams in the league that I feel like are contending for a title this year, but still aren't quite at their peak, which is pretty exciting you know, yeah. from a basketball standpoint in terms of what we, the competition we could see in the playoffs in the years to come.
0: Kevin O'Connor of the ringer. He's famous. He's hard to
1: get.
0: <laughs> signal Podcast. Where can they find you? Plug some stuff
1: um i'm hosting a a show on the ringer nba show this season that i'll start in january i'm co-hosting with the mismatch which is exciting i've been doing a podcast with chris vernon uh, since 2016 yeah this is our fifth year and we have our own podcast feed so like you can still find me on the ringer nba show but find me and chris vernon on the mismatch and you know writing articles for the website and tweeting and making videos so all that's on my my Twitter and Instagram pages.
0: Yeah. Awesome. You are the best. I got, I asked for the best. I got the best.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Courtney. I appreciate you having me on.
0: He is so informative. So lighthearted. That was such a fun conversation. Thanks again to Kevin for coming on the show. I'm not kidding when I had to, like, track him down. (laughs) It's him and it's Ryan Rosillo. I mean, you can't catch these guys. It's like if you want, like, a premier NBA voice to come on your podcast, you got to work hard. Well, on Friday, we got Jonathan Zaslow. We're going to talk all NFL. I kind of just wanted to save this one as all NBA. We're going to do an all NFL show. We're going to move all of our all feelings, no facts. I got a list of 10 of them, 10 of them, including – Aaron Rodgers is my 2020 NFL MVP. Fight me on it, Patrick Mahomes. It's just a preview of the spiciness we got Friday, but it'll be fun because the Patriots are playing the Dolphins and uh, you know, New England and Bill Belichick is out to ruin some playoff hopes, shatter some dreams. Wouldn't that be nice? New England's been in the midst of a lot of these. Back and forth revenge games. I mean, if you can remember the Lawyer Malloy game when Bill cut one of the team captains' legendary names here, and uh, a week before the regular season, and then he ended up on the on the Bills. The Bills in week one beat the Patriots thirty-one to nothing, and then on week seventeen when they returned to play them, the Patriots beat the Bills thirty-one to nothing. So. Miami ruined the Patriots' playoff hopes last year, and then they peed down their legs in the first round of the playoffs. Luckily, that's not going to happen this year because the Patriots and all their delirious fans who still think they have a chance. Yeah, 6% now. So um, we'll talk football. So thanks for listening. See you Friday. I could not foresee this thing happening to you.